Moms wear a lot of hats. And all the mothers here said, Amen. They wear the nursing hat, the chef hat, the psychologist hat. It means whatever is needed to help your kids, point them in the right direction. The banker hat, just whatever, whatever they need. Mom is there to help. Moms wear a lot of hats. But there's one particular role for a mother that the Bible emphasizes that I want to highlight together this morning. I want us to look together in God's Word and talk about a mother's teaching. What a mother is to teach in the home. So turn there with me, Proverbs chapter 1. We're taking a break from Galatians to focus on a mother's teaching on this Mother's Day. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. Now, dads, focus on moms this morning. You can go to ESPN.com on your phone. You can uh, just relax. You don't have to listen. Uh, I'm just kidding. There's application for all of us in this room, and you'll hear that as we walk our way through this text. And by the way, dads, don't get cocky. I'll get to you on Father's Day. All right? All right. Proverbs chapter 1. We're going to begin reading in verse 7. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. Stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word if you are physically able. The Bible says in Proverbs 1, verse 7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of... Of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not, here it is, your mother's teaching. For they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and we are grateful for another opportunity to gather and to praise your great name. We ask that you would draw near in this moment as we study your word by your spirit. Lord, would you open the eyes of our hearts that we would see the truths of scripture and move our our hearts to, uh, to obey, to respond to what you teach us. So we can leave today knowing we've met with the living God. And we can leave today more resolved to live for your glory and your glory alone. And we ask and pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Verse 8 says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. Now the emphasis in that verse Uh, is on children listening. That's kind of the emphasis of the entire chapter and for much of the book of Proverbs that children need to heed instruction. They need to listen to the wisdom, the teaching that comes from their parents. And the implication of this verse is that the father and the mother will be instructing their children to equip them to fear the Lord. That's, that's implied. Mom and dad are going to teach you what it means to fear the Lord. They're going to guide you. They're going to teach you. And it's your job as a child to respond to what you learn. Now, we understand on the front end this morning that parents can teach and they can faithfully teach and the children not listen. 
right? Or grown children, not heed what you have to say. And so there's certainly some responsibility when it comes to children, young people, uh, taking what they hear and putting it into practice in their life. But I want to focus on the responsibility specifically of the mother this morning to teach. And I want to talk about what a mother's teaching should consist of. I think as we look at this verse and other places in Proverbs, we see that a mother's teaching should consist of at least four areas. This is not exhaustive, but at least four areas should be a part of a mother's teaching. Area number one, how to fear God. How to fear God. The foundation of verse 8, a father's training, a mother's teaching, is verse 7, when it says, and I believe this is probably the thesis of the entire book of Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, fools despise wisdom and instruction. You cannot have real knowledge about life and living apart from the fear of the Lord. So certainly when we talk about a mother's teaching in the very next verse, part of that teaching should be how to fear God. You're not going to have the knowledge you need without it. So we should teach how one ought to fear the Lord. Now, there are two parts to fearing God. First of all, your kids, my kids, they need to know who God is. Is. They need to know who God is. Uh, that carries with it the idea of theology, and theology simply means the study of God. Moms should study God. They should grow in their knowledge of who God is and how God works, and they should, as part of their teaching, pass on that knowledge of God to their kids. And so moms should grow in their understanding of the nature, the character, the attributes of God. Moms, if you've never done a study on the attributes of God, uh, email me. I'll give you some resources like Knowing God by J.I. Packer and some other resources that can lead you to a study of who God is. Uh, Maybe a, a study on the names of God will be helpful just to remember who God is and how he works in our lives. But you need to grow in your theology so you can pass on that knowledge to your kids. They need to know the attributes of God. For example, if your kids, if my kids, if they don't understand that God is holy, they're never going to see their need for a Savior. If they don't understand that God is perfect and righteous and just, and as sinners we have all fallen short of his glory, they'll never see their need for forgiveness. They'll never see their need to run to the Savior because they've fallen short of a holy God. So we need to teach our kids God is holy. God is set apart. God is perfect. God is just. And we've all fallen short. That's why we all need a Savior. If your kids don't understand that God is powerful, that God is all-powerful, as theologians say, God is omnipotent, then they'll never take their cares and concerns from life and place it in His hands because they won't think God can really help. They'll try to navigate life on their own. They'll try to kind of pick themselves up by their bootstraps and try to manage and handle life in their own strength. And that's a terrifying thought. 
They need to know God is powerful. You can come to Him and place your life in His hands and see Him work. If they don't know that God is gracious, they'll never come to Him to receive that free gift of eternal life that is only found in Jesus Christ our Lord. Perhaps they'll believe that they're good enough to save themselves. Not understanding their only hope is the grace of God that offers the gift of salvation through the finished work of Christ. That is their only hope. They need to know that God is a God of unmerited favor. He pours out his blessings on us through Christ and we deserve none of those blessings. They need to know something of the grace of God. They need to know about the sovereignty of God. That God is all powerful and because he's all powerful he is in control of everything perfect power perfect wisdom and he is perfectly running the universe amen if your kids don't understand that if my kids don't understand that they'll never learn what it means to rest to lay down fear and anxiety and fretting knowing that God is in control. Charles Spurgeon said that the sovereignty of God is a soft pillow that Christians can lay their head on at night. When we go to sleep and if we know God's in control, we can sleep well, right? We can trust Him, that that He's calling the shots, that He's good, He's always good, He always does the right thing. Your children need to know something of the sovereignty of God. And we could go on and on and on with these different attributes that we need to know first about God and that we need to pass on to our kids. They need to know who God is. Secondly, they should have reverence for Him. In other words, their theology should translate into doxology. And by the way, if your theology doesn't lead you to doxology, if your theology, your study of God doesn't lead you to worship, you're doing theology wrong. When we understand who God is, we should exalt Him and glory in His name and we should fear Him. We should have reverence toward Him. That's what it means to fear the Lord. We need to teach our kids that God is holy and righteous and just and sovereign and gracious and powerful and omniscient and he's all of these things and he deserves our allegiance he deserves our reverence he deserves our worship they should have reverence for him so certainly part of a mother's teaching should be hey here's how you fear God here's what the fear of God looks like you know there was a day in our culture in America where the phrase God-fearing was used all of the time. People talked about a a God-fearing man or a God-fearing woman or a God-fearing family or even our nation being a God-fearing nation. Do you notice you don't hear that terminology anymore? We don't talk about the fear of God anymore. And, And the Bible says the fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. So I believe part of a mother's teaching is to pass on this fear of God. Lifeway did some extensive research in 2016 with 2,000 American Protestant adults. When asked how they defined successful parenting, listen to this, only 9% said 
that their child's faith and godliness reflected successful parenting. Well, you might say, well, that must have been from folks that didn't go to church a lot. They weren't regular in church. Well, when you isolate parents who attend religious services regularly, the number that believe faith and godliness is an indicator of successful parenting rises to 24%. That means three out of four Protestant adults said that the faith and godliness of my children is really no indicator of parenting. It's not a a goal. It's It's not a target we're shooting for as parents. Wow. That, that, those are shocking numbers. Only 29% of those who were surveyed that are born-again Christians, only 29% of born-again Christians stated that their personal faith plays the most significant role in their parenting. These are folks who say, I'm saved, I know Jesus. But over 70% of born-again Christians said, my faith is not the crucial thing in my parenting. Here's what that looks like. Let's set our kids up for success. Let's get them through school. Let's get them in extracurricular activities. So they can be a great athlete or a great student or a great musician. Let's help them get their grades, achieve. Let's get them out of the home into a good career, a good college, a good university. They can get their, their training and, and then they can get married and, and they can buy the home they've always wanted and have the vehicles they always wanted and the pool in the backyard and, and we're going to set them up for success. They'll begin their careers, they'll make lots of money, they'll have a 401k, they'll retire happy and yet Jesus says, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world? and yet loses his soul. These numbers in this survey indicate that parents aren't targeting the soul of our kids. We're dealing with external factors, thinking that's where happiness lies, and not emphasizing that the fear of the Lord is where it all starts. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Ed Stetzer, in commenting on this survey, writes, when self-identifying Christians are not able to say that faith is a priority for parenting, we should not be surprised at the prevalence of church dropouts in the younger generation. Let me read that again. I don't think you heard it. When self-identifying Christians are not able to say that faith is a priority for parenting, we should not be surprised at the prevalence of church dropouts in the younger generation. Now certainly there's responsibility on kids to listen and to learn and to respond to mom and dad. But there's also responsibility on parents to target our kids' souls. To teach them what the fear of the Lord is means. You know, the numbers hold pretty steady right now that when it comes to church kids, kids that grow up in church, they're in children's ministry, they're in student ministry, when they graduate and go off to college or start a career, around 80% fall off the map and aren't actively involved in walking with the Lord, serving the Lord, involvement in a local church. Now, some of those 
statistically come back around, maybe late 20s, early 30s, they come back around and, and, and see, they start having kids, say, oh, we need Jesus, right? And they, and, they, and they start coming back around and get back involved in church, and that's great, but here's what happens. Those young people are making the most critical decisions of their life in their early 20s apart from walking with Jesus. I mean, think about it. They're deciding who they're going to marry, spend the rest of their life with, where they're going to live, what they're going to pursue as a career. And these, these church dropouts are making all of those decisions apart from the Lord's wisdom. And we wonder why things go haywire, right? Now, there's grace in that. God is good. God restores and, and God can redeem the years that the locusts have eaten. But, oh, if we could... If we could teach our kids what it means to fear God. It's more than career. It's more than money. It's it's more than the house you live in or the car you drive. It's It's about Jesus. If we could make that a part of what we teach in the home, it would make a profound difference. And it should be a part of a mother's teaching. Let me give you another aspect of a mother's teaching. Not only how to fear God, but how to follow God. Look what it says in Proverbs chapter 1 verse 8. Hear, my son, your father's instruction. That word instruction is the Hebrew word musar. It carries with it the idea of training and discipline. So the parents uh, have this role and the father has this role of, of training, guiding, disciplining so their child stays on the right path. They take the lead in that. But then it says that a child should not forsake their mother's teaching. That Hebrew word translated teaching is the word Torah which is translated law in many places in God's word. It's used to speak of God's law. The Hebrews call the first five books of the Bible, Genesis through Deuteronomy, the Torah, the the law. And that's the word used here, a mother's Torah, a mother's law. Now, when we see the word Torah in the Bible, unqualified by anything else, it always speaks of God's law or God's word. But when we see it, qualified by the word mother, mother's teaching, then it speaks of maxims and principles based upon God's word. So a mother's teaching are principles, precepts that a mother is to teach that are based upon God's Torah, God's law. And so here's how we summarize that that Torah, that word. Mothers should clearly and consistently teach their children the word of God. To be a part of a mother's teaching, the Word of God, the Bible. Now, here's the question why? Why should Bible teaching be a part of what a mother passes on in the home to her children? The Word of God will lead them to the Savior. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, New Testament. This is Paul's letter to his young protege, Timothy, who is the pastor of the church in Ephesus. And we're going to see here in Timothy's life a case study. What it looks like when a mom and a grandma pass on the word of God. So look what it says there, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. Paul writing says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first. Everyone say first. A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And now I'm sure dwells in you as well. So Paul's saying, Your faith was passed on from Lois and Eunice, and you're living it out now. 
Now, here's the question. How did Lois and Eunice pass on their faith? Well, he tells us in chapter 3. Turn with me to chapter 3, verse 14. The same book. Paul writes, But as for you, as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, Lois and Eunice, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. What were Lois and Eunice teaching Timothy? The Word of God, the sacred writings. And he says, these sacred writings are able to lead one to salvation, to teach them what it means to be saved and how to be saved. The Word of God absolutely will point our kids to the Savior Jesus Christ and show them their need for the Savior Jesus Christ. And so why should we teach the Word of God? It teaches them they need a Savior. It leads them to salvation. If we will consistently teach the Bible, you can't help but see that we've fallen short of God's glory. We deserve God's punishment. But oh, we can receive God's grace through the finished work of Jesus Christ. Amen? The Bible teaches that, and we can pass that on to our kids. Also, the Word of God will equip them for godly living. Look what it says in chapter 3, verse 16. He says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. I heard one preacher sum up this verse like this. He said, The Bible tells you what's right. He mentions the word teaching. The Bible tells you when you're not right. That's the word reproof. The Bible tells you how to get right. That's the word correction. And the Bible tells you how to stay right. That's the word training. All of that's found in God's word. And then he says in verse 17, so that the man of God may be complete, watch this, equipped for every good work. Every good work. So the Bible will not only lead our children to faith in Jesus Christ, it will show them how to walk with Jesus Christ, how to live for his glory. Hey, by the way, parents, and by the way, church, conversion is not the end goal. We're not called to make converts, we're called to make disciples. And, and when our children are saved, our job is not done as parents, it's just beginning. Because now we get to teach them what it means to walk with God, to live out their faith. And so, we should teach the Word of God. A part of a mother's teaching should be how to follow God by being in the Word. Now, Ted and Margie Tripp give us some good advice on how this looks in a home. They write, we must teach our children to love the Scriptures. We We must teach the promises along with the warnings. We must teach the perfect sacrifice of Christ for sin along with the description of our sinfulness. We must let our children hear how God's law is sweeter than honey from a honeycomb. By it we are warned, and by keeping it there is great reward. The most effective way to teach our children to love the Scripture is to love it ourselves. They will see us longing to read it, hear it, understand it, and learn that it is valuable. One of the first... Games we learn growing up as children is the game follow the leader. It's real simple, right? You have a leader, everyone behind them does what the leader does. Follow the leader. 
Well, Ted and Margie Tripp are suggesting the best way to pass on a love for the Bible is to love the Bible yourself. To be able to, to exemplify to your kids, follow the leader. And you'll know how precious and powerful the Word of God is. That's part of a mother's teaching. But there's a third truth here. Not only do we want, as parents, our moms to pass on how to fear God, how to follow God, but third, how to avoid the dangers of life. That's part of a mother's role. To, to help their kids or grandkids avoid the dangers of life. Now back in Proverbs chapter 1, we see this warning, which is repeated all throughout the book of Proverbs and all throughout God's word. Here's the warning we're reminded of. Godly teaching warns of the pitfalls and snares of sin. Look in verse 10 of Proverbs chapter 1. My son, right after he talked about a mother's teaching, he says, my son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. Be on guard. Don't give in to bad company. In Proverbs 5.22, the Bible says, The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. All throughout the Bible, we're, we're warned about the, the pitfalls, the snares, the landmines that are out there that can destroy us. And moms can be used by God to teach, to warn about these dangers in life. There are warnings in Proverbs about hanging with the wrong crowd, about the dangers of substance abuse, the dangers of sexual immorality, the dangers of laziness, the dangers of a lack of self-control, the dangers of pride, the dangers of frivolous speech, and many other things. There's, there, there's constant warning sounded throughout this book, and part of a mother's teaching is to sound that same warning. And I believe that godly teaching doesn't just warn. Godly teaching pleads for caution. It pleads for caution. Look with me in Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20. The Bible says, My son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. There it is again, mother's Torah. Same phrase. And the context of chapter 6 is, mom and dad are warning their son about the dangers of sexual immorality, specifically adultery. That, that's what's mentioned here in this chapter. And I want to show you how, how mom and dad are pleading for their Son, to avoid this landmine. Look what it says in verse 23. For the commandment is a lamp and the teaching is a light. The reproofs of discipline are the way of life. To preserve you from the evil woman, from the smooth tongue of the adulteress. Do not desire her beauty in your heart. Do not let her capture you with her eyelashes. For the price of a prostitute is only a loaf of bread, but a married woman hunts down a precious life. Now look in verse 27. Can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? Answers no. But the next verse. Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? 
The answer is no. And look at the, the truth in the next verse. So is he who goes into his neighbor's wife. None who touches her will go unpunished. Wow. So mom and dad here are not just saying, hey son, don't commit adultery. They're saying, if you walk across hot coals, you'll get burned. And we want you to know, if you engage in this type of behavior, you'll get burned. Danger! Be on guard! Caution! The parents here are pleading with their kids to avoid these dangers. Adultery in this text, but all sorts of dangers throughout the book of Proverbs. Now I've heard my wife Claire do this. I've heard her plead with our kids about some of the dangers and landmines out there. I've heard her say, don't do it. Don't do it. It'll destroy your life. And I believe that's in line of this phrase, mother's teaching in Proverbs 6. We should, we should help our kids avoid the dangers of life. But let me haste to add this. Godly teaching highlights our inadequacy. Now, I want you to hear me carefully. Our goal is not to produce little moral robots that don't embarrass us. Our goal is to say to our kids, you've blown it, and you're going to blow it. That's why you need a Savior. That's why you need Jesus. And Jesus is all sufficient to forgive you where you blow it. He'll forgive you when, when you fail, when you stumble, when you fall. He's a saving, forgiving Christ. And not only is he all sufficient for your salvation, he's all sufficient for your sanctification. We need to say to our kids, you can't live a moral life apart from God's help. You can't avoid these things apart from God's power in your life. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. So we warn our kids, and then we haste to add, you need Jesus, you can't do it without him. Right? That's part, certainly, of a mother's teaching. Last week, in India, I read this article, there was a man mauled to death by a black bear. You know why he was mauled to death by this bear? He got too close because he was trying to take a selfie with the bear. True story. True story. Now, it's, it's, it's funny, but it's sad, isn't it? I mean, that it ended like, that's tragic. He, he, he tried to take a, a selfie with a black bear, and it mauled him to death. And in the article I read, it said, this isn't the only time this has happened. Last year, another young man tried to take a selfie with a wild elephant and was trampled to death. At some point, someone needs to say, Don't take selfies with wild animals, right? It's dangerous. I was in Africa with uh, Frank and Alvin and and Joey. We uh, did some ministry together, and then we took a day and went on a little safari, and Frank was driving the uh, Jeep. They just let you go drive out into the wilderness. and, And so we were driving, and Frank was driving, and we saw some wild elephants, about from me to the back of this room, 
And I've never seen an elephant in the wild before. And, and Joey and I jumped out, and we were taking pictures of the elephant. And I heard Frank's voice, who was still behind the steering wheel. He said, you know that is a wild animal. And I said, should we get back in the Jeep? He said, yes. And we jumped in the Jeep. It was, Damn, I mean, we need to be warned. That's not smart, all right? And listen to me. There are all sorts of dangers and trials and snares and landmines just waiting on our kids. One of the ways we know that is because we walk through them ourselves, amen? And part of father's training, the mother's teaching, is to warn our kids, to plead with them to not go down pathways that will lead to unnecessary and unimaginable grief and destruction. And so moms should teach how to avoid the dangers of life. But there's a final thing I want you to see. A mother's teaching should consist of how to fear God, how to follow God, how to avoid the dangers of life, but fourth and last, how to treat others. How to treat others. Turn to the very end of the book, Proverbs 31, and you ladies are thinking, I knew we were going to get to Proverbs 31, right? (laughs) Proverbs 31, look what it says in verse 26. Proverbs 31, verse 26. This is the description of a woman who fears the Lord. And it says in verse 26, she opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Now that word teaching, same word, Torah. The Torah of kindness is on her tongue. Now there's some debate among scholars as to how we're to understand this phrase, teaching of kindness. Some believe that it means it's a mother teaching about kindness. Others believe it's a mother teaching with kindness. Which one is it? Well, we don't know for sure, but both are important, right? We need to teach our kids how to be kind and the need to be kind. And we also need to to exemplify that kindness in the way we relate to our family. And so, So both are in play here. Or let me say it like this. Mothers should model kindness and encourage kindness. Mothers should model kindness and encourage kindness. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but our society is in desperate need of some kindness. It has gotten mean out there, discouraging. Everywhere we look, there is invective and venom and harsh attitudes and demeaning words. And and our society needs a good dose of kindness. And, And listen, who should lead the way in that? Christians. Right? Why? We've experienced the kindness of God. The Bible says it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Aren't you glad that God was kind with you? And God is kind to you. And those who have embraced the kindness of God should then extend the kindness of God to others. Christians ought to lead the way. Christians ought to, listen, unleash kindness on our world. You ever seen someone in a public setting and they're just being ugly? Maybe to their server and just demeaning and mean and rude. 
Sadly, sometimes those people had just left church to go eat. And now they're out there acting ugly. Our, our world needs kindness, and, and it, it starts in the home. It starts with kind moms teaching about kindness, showing the importance of kids to go out and make a difference through kindness. It's a real need. And a mother's teaching should consist of how to treat others. My mom is now with Jesus. We lost her in uh, 2011 and miss her like crazy. But my mom was a kind woman. She really was. And it manifests itself in, in different ways. I remember when I was in high school, before school would begin, mom would take me school shopping. And my high school days were still my best, or to this day, my best dress days. Because mom flat hooked me up. I mean, she did. I mean, she would take me and she'd buy me all these clothes and shoes and whatever I needed. And, and we'd get home and dad would say, how much did y'all spend? And mom would say, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And then when we started having kids, boy, she went our, she, she, same way with our, her grandkids. Man, she got them clothes, and every time she'd show up or we'd go to their house, she'd bring out stacks of clothes. We had our, first, we had our daughter, Abby Faith, stacks of these dresses, some she made herself by hand. And, and she, she was just kind. She, she was a, a kind lady. And it makes an impact on you. It really does. And there, there are times when, you know, you have to buy another pair of shoes when you just bought a pair yesterday, Right? And, uh, and Claire will remind me sometime, hey, remember how your mom used to hook you up? I'll be like, okay, all right. Get them the shoes, all right? Get them the shoes. A little kindness goes a long way, doesn't it? And it makes an impact. And mothers can lead the way in this revolution of kindness, this unleashing of kindness from Christians on our society which desperately needs. Listen, unbelievers will sit up and take notice when someone treats them kindly. They will. And so a mother leads the way in how to treat others. Here's the point. Here's what I want you to walk away with today. A mother's teaching plays a key role in the spiritual formation of their children. There's just no way to get around it. That's the, the emphasis of this phrase, a mother's Torah, a mother's teaching. A mother's teaching plays a key role in the spiritual formation of their children. It's vital. And so if you're a mom today, or a grandma, would you ask God for fresh wind in your sails, a renewed strength and wisdom to carry out a mother's teaching, passing on these truths about God to your kids or to your grandkids, asking Him for help because apart from Him we can do nothing. Or maybe you're here this morning and you're a little discouraged because you weren't the perfect mom or the perfect dad, but you did try to point them in the right direction. And your kids haven't been heeding your advice. They haven't been listening to your warnings. They haven't responded to the truth you've shared with them and they've chosen to go their own way. Can I just remind you, the Bible teaches there is a responsibility for children to respond. 
And maybe you've taught the right things, but they're not responding. You don't have to live under the weight of that. But I do want to encourage you to not give 